enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is with an all-time favorite here in the Rambling Runner podcast. That is none other than Sarah Bishop. I'll tell you what, I think I swear to God, every single week, someone will text me or send me a DM or email or whatever and say, hey, I think it's about time you had Sarah back on. I honestly will get these a week after she's been on the show. It is uh, a constant thing. And I'm so glad to have her back on because this serial racer has had to go a long time without racing for a variety of reasons, uh, not just COVID-19, as we'll hear in this episode, but she's back and she's racing a lot in a very short period of time. And we talk about all of that, how she's making it work, how shifting to uh, triathlon only at this point has altered her training, her physiology, just the training time in general. It's basically like double the amount of training she needs to do, which she was already doing a lot. Uh, we talk about a lot more. Unfortunately, right at the end, the audio kicked out as she was talking about her wild story about her injury. So, Basically, I'm going to kind of give away the ending a little bit here because I don't I want you to, to go into this knowing what happens. But basically, as she she basically leaves off saying that she flipped over the handlebars um, while doing this descent. And she kind of basically at that point got knocked out. So she got a broken rib. She had a concussion. She had a broken collarbone. Uh, she was really, really banged up. And the reason we talk about it in this episode is because she's basically Wolverine from the X-Men. This is somebody who, at first glance, it looked like she was going to be out four to six weeks. I swear to God, like two weeks later, she's doing it. She's back at it, doing it again. Uh, go to her Instagram. Uh, we'll have a link in the bio. Um, I'm sorry, link in the show notes of this episode. If you don't already follow her, you can follow along. Go back a few months. Look to see. What the progression is like, it goes from like, all right, like, man, that was serious. I got to really you know, take some time to recover. And like two days later, it's like, hey, I'm all better. Let's go do this thing. Um, just classic, classic Sarah Bishop. So without further ado, let's get into it with Sarah Bishop. Sarah Bishop is back. Sarah, you at, you at this point, are you just a co-host of the Rambling Runner podcast? Is that how I should introduce you? I mean, it kind of feels like it, right? <laughs> no. Oh, man. It's good to hear from you, Matt. I mean, it's been a few months, but I guess it doesn't feel like that long. Yeah. You know what? It's one of those things. It's like, uh, you know, but they say this is the line with with kids. It's like the days are long, but the weeks are short. Yeah, something exactly. like that. I don't exactly. know. Something along those lines. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. Well, I'm excited to chat because last time we talked, it was, I mean, shoot. It's a different lifetime now, right? I know, right? But like even at, at the end of 2019, going into 2020, it was like, this was going to be, for you, this was always going to be a paradigm shifting year, right? It was going to be, you know, pro triathlete going full force with this new thing. And you'd already done so well already you know, early on, but you were going to, you know, really, really dive in as a professional triathlete in a very, very real sense. And obviously things are not going according to plan. With that being said, let's just, just for, for memory's sake, how many races did you originally sign up for, for 2020? Oh gosh. I mean, I had a lot planned. I probably had 
four full Ironman, um, Ironman races planned and three or four, um, 70.3. So I probably had, you know, at least eight races, um, on the books, uh, you know, after, after the Olympic trials in March. So that would have been at least one, uh, one a month. Um, so yeah, I mean, I had this whole plan that I was going to go full force, like you said, um, pro triathlete, um, and dip my toe in the water with the full Ironman and see what happens, you know, with a goal of, eventually qualifying for Kona, just, you know, whether it be this year or next year or, or whenever. So it was like, okay, now's the time I'm just going to go and really, um, start doing the training that that, uh, distance requires. And we're going to do this this year. And yeah, it has, it's, it's not been like that at all, <laughs> you know, uh, as, all right, as hold so on a second though. Hold on a second. You said, dip your toe in the water with the full Ironman. And maybe I misheard you, but didn't you also say that you were planning on doing four of them? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to do um, Ironman Texas in, um, I guess that was April. And then um, what else did I, it's been so long now that I had this plan. Oh, and I, was I mean, gonna... that doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like <laughs> dipping a toe in the water. That sounds like taking a full, 60 meter sprint and doing a belly flop into the deep end. I guess, I guess, but it was like, it was, it worked out to like one every, um, six to eight weeks. That's kind of how it worked out. And I, I thought that I might be able to handle that, <laughs> handle that if I trained correctly. That was the plan. I mean, who knows if it would have gone that way, but, um, you know what? It's not uncommon for Ironman triathletes to race like that. A lot, uh, most of the professionals will do at least three full Ironman, you know, um, races a year, maybe more. Uh, it's just, it, it's not uncommon for them to race back to back 70.3s, um, in two sep, you know, two weekends back to back. You know, it's really different. It's very, very different than say pro running where, um, most, um, pro runners will only do one or two full marathons a year. They're very calculated with their races. But, um, you know, the pro triathlete long distance style is more like how I race <laughs> and, and they all do it. So it's, um, it's not, it's, it's, it, it's not, um, uncommon or unusual to, to see that. Um, but, and I was just going to go and try to try to do it as well, try to just try to go for it as well. So, um, not that it wouldn't be, not that it would be easy. Um, and not really sure how I, my body would handle it or if I would have needed to change the plan at some point, but that was just kind of the tentative, tentative plan. All right. And if you take into account the Olympic trials marathon, that basically would be five marathons in a year. Right. Have you ever done that before? Uh, no, no, but you know what? It's really different. The running, the marathon after, um, the bike, uh, in a full Ironman is really different. And I'm, and I'm finding that out with my training. It feels more like ultra marathon style where your legs are so tired after the bike. You can't redline the marathon like you would in an open marathon. I mean, I've, I've, never been so sore as I was, you know, after, um, say like the Phoenix marathon or the California international marathon, but it's, it's just right. Phoenix. So that, be, that makes it six, that's six marathons in a year. <laughs> I forgot about Phoenix. But the difference is, 
you know, it's the difference between like 610 pace and seven minute pace um, because your body will not let you go faster than that because you're just so aerobically tired. Your legs are tired. It's You've already been exercising for eight hours, seven hours, whatever it is. There, you can't redline yourself like you do um, in a marathon. So, so the recovery is is different. It's just it's just different. I'm finding that out. It's just it's just different. It's highly aerobic, highly aerobic zone two, zone three. It's not like redlining in a marathon where you're really beating your body up and you need additional recovery. You need to be fresh. You know, you have these fresh. I can only run a really good marathon off really fresh legs because I have to write run so close to my lactate threshold. But that's not how it is in a full Ironman. It's it's um, you know, it's more like, a, to me, it feels like running, um, a fast, easy pace run on tired legs, but I have to do it for 26 miles. And I wasn't, I didn't really know that that's how it would feel going, you know, as I, before I started doing the full distance Ironman training, but that's definitely how it feels. And now I understand why running a sub three hour marathon off the bike is so incredibly difficult <laughs> and why not very many people in this world can do it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just different. It's just different. So do you have any idea why, you know, running at a slightly easier pace would ultimately make the recovery from said marathon that much easier, especially taking into consideration that you've beat up your bodies and so beat up your body in so many other ways on that day with the swim and the bike. You know, and I think about like, all right, if I'm hammering a run versus going easy, you know, I guess I shouldn't hammering. Say I'm going threshold pace versus an easy run. You know, I didn't realize that I'd be putting in a lot less force over my whole body. I just thought I'd be just running faster. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so it's like because you're training so many hours, like like run uh, when I run, train for a marathon, probably training 10 to 12 hours a week. When I'm training for a full Ironman, it's at this point close to 20. So it's all this zone two aerobic running and I'm doing so much already in my daily routine. When I get to the race, my body is ready. And yeah, I'm not doing a nine-hour training day during during training, but it's not unusual for my hard days to be four hours, you know. And so the the additional four hours might, you know, um, in the race might be a couple, you know, two or three more hours on the bike, and then that extra hour or hour and a half on the run, you know. Um, but because I'm doing so much of that already in my daily training, my body is conditioned to that kind of workload. Um, so I think with the, when I train for a marathon though, you know, I have to do this two week taper usually, or at least a one week taper to really get my legs fresh and then redline the race, you know, at marathon pace for 26 miles, something I never get close to in practice. So the effort, on my body and my legs is so much more um, when I'm training for a marathon because uh, it's just an effort that I don't put forward in training um, every day. But I feel like Ironman training, uh, I, when I race an Ironman, it's an effort that I put forth in training nearly every day because it's all 
kind of zone two, zone three training. You just can't push yourself and you can't redline in zone four, zone five for nine hours, you know, and I don't train by heart rate, but I'm just saying that so you get an idea of, of what you're doing. Um, so it's just close, like my everyday training is just closer to my race paces. And so going a little bit further, um, when I'm a little bit fresher, isn't that as much, isn't that hard, as hard on the body as I guess trying to, um, run a marathon off fresh legs and red line for 26 miles. That's my, that's my guess. That's, that's my guess. You're just doing so much more and you're conditioning your body to the demands of a nine hour race. Um, you know, that's all, that's all zone two, zone three. Um, you got to do a lot of training (laughs) to get your body ready for that. And if you are in good enough, if you're conditioned enough for that race, it's the recovery is, is not as bad as you think it would be. Yeah. And on top of that, everything's locked down for, you know, on some level where a lot of people are, your kids are at home because you can't necessarily bring them to daycare situation. (laughs) So all of a sudden you're upping, significantly upping your total amount of hours training and you were already training at a very high level. Yeah, What is that like when you got, you know, you have a husband who works and he also trains, you got these, you know, little girls running around like crazy. How do you, how do you make that all kind of coalesce in terms of you and Brian figuring out how you're going to do your own stuff? Yeah, it's a good question. So first of all, you know, I started to realize all the races are getting canceled, you know, and I'm like, I kept kind of holding out hope, but at the same time, I wasn't really sure. And it's kind of like, so a lot of triathletes, pro triathletes, you know, took some downtime or really reduced their training. But I just thought, you know what, like, I'm still going to use this time to make progress. I've never done a full Ironman. I don't feel prepared in any way, mentally or physically. Um, so I need to, I need to at least continue to train like it's going to happen. So I'm conditioning my body and my mind to be ready to do it at whatever point there will be a race, you know? And, um, so, so I decided to continue doing that. And yeah, my kids are home and, and Brian's home. So we're all home. And usually I just kind of spread my training out throughout the day as, um, it works for my schedule and with my kids. So usually I'll do like a run in the morning. And then after that, I'll come home and Brian will go on his two hour bike ride kind of at his lunch break. Um, and then at that point, I'll, I'll do a bike usually when he's biking, but I'll bike on the trainer. Um, and then, uh, and then after that, I'll take the kids to the pool. And then that's when I'll do my swimming is when we're all at the pool. And that is like kind of how every day goes. <laughs> So there's really no structure. It's just me and Brian figuring out who's going to be gone when, who's going to be watching the kids. Um, and so Brian usually just goes on his bike ride um, when you know when I'm re- kind of recovering from my run, and then um, then I'll go do my the rest of my exercise after he gets back. And in the meantime, we're just kind of co-parenting the kids. They have you know a friend or two over a lot of times, or else they're going to their friend's house. Um, you know, they entertain themselves with the, some, you know, their tablet and screen time. And we try to monitor it a little bit, but 
it's the pandemic. What are you going to do? You know, I mean, for the most part, they're really active kids though. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of chaos. It's just kind of chaos every single day and it's fine. We're just all surviving. Everybody's happy. Everybody's still doing their own thing and getting there, getting, um, getting what they need. And, um, we just take it day by day and, um, life, life goes on. Right. <laughs> so. All right. So one thing you didn't really include in that timeline was recovery. Cause you're basically putting in three workouts a day and parenting and you coach a large number of athletes. So, you know, you have a lot of stuff going on besides working out. So how do you, what are you, what are your trials within recovery and things that you've tried to do along those lines um, to try to maximize, oh, you know, or basically to, to, to keep the gains that you're, that you're trying to get from all this training? Yeah, I do try to take a nap during the day. I mean, who knows when it is? Sometimes I don't take a nap, you know, but sometimes uh, if, if, um, when Brian, when I, when I get home from my run, I get home from my run at like 10 or 11 and Brian goes for his bike ride. I just go upstairs and try to lay down and maybe the kids are running amok. Maybe they're not. They know where I am. You know? <laughs> so I kind of try to take a nap. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but I do sleep at night, like heavy, like 10 hours at least. And that what? is huge. Yeah. Like there is, I sleep like the dead. If I did not get 10 hours of sleep a night, I would not be able to do this training that I do. And I've always slept a lot, but I'm telling you, like, I have to get 10 hours of sleep a night or I'm not recovering enough to train. And that's really the key is the sleep. And like, yeah, you got to eat. I'm always constantly eating throughout the day. That's not as, you know, that's not that hard, but it's the sleep that really, um, that I think it's the most underrated part of training. Cause you, first of all, if you're not sleeping, I feel like if I'm not sleeping, my workouts aren't going to go well the next day. I just know that. And then if you're not sleeping, you're upping your injury risk. Like if I have a niggle or something or something's bothering me, I, I make sure that I'm going to get a good night's sleep because that's when your body recovers. Um, and you're really increasing your risk of injury if you're not getting enough sleep. So it's just really important for me. And it's fine because the kids go to bed at nine. They're tired. And so that's basically when I go to bed. And then I probably get up at like eight. Like I don't, I, Brian gets up really early, but I sleep in and the kids usually get up at like seven or eight too. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I lucky that I'm able to get that much sleep, but I definitely couldn't train the way I do if I did it. That's for sure. So you and Brian have really got this figured out. So is I guess when I'm looking forward to to September, what's it look like for you guys in terms of whether he's going to be working from home and or if the kids are going to be home or if they're going to be in school? So our schools are going back um, five days a week right now. So that's so yeah, I'm pretty surprised. And I mean, they gave us the option go back five days a week or you know do online school. So you know they're going to go back with their masks. Um, I think it's the right decision for our family. I think my kids need socialization, and um, you know of course there's all these new procedures in place. They'll have assigned seats on the bus, mask at all time. They're not going to be going to like their specials, you know, like music and art and stuff like music and art and stuff will come to them. You know, it's just yeah, our we'll schools just... are doing the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. We're not five days a week yet. But like, we're like in terms of in school, what's happening? It's the exact same situation. 
Yeah. So they have this whole plan in place of what happens if somebody gets COVID or is exposed and things like that. And they're already prepared to go to to two days a week in school, three days a week at home uh, if they feel the need. But they're going to start off like this. Yeah. So it's they go back to school um, in 10 days. So they have or actually, yeah, one more week. So they only got one more week at home. And they're going to go to school. So um, so we'll see how that goes. Game time. <laughs> yeah. And there's going to be four workouts a day. <laughs> no, I can't. No, I'm good. I'm good with what I do right now. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So the 10-hour-a-day sleep, man, I'll tell you what. You, Brian, got it locked in because that, that makes it seem like you two have really kind of figured this out because – you know, just even like with his workout schedule, I think a lot of people would be like, man, you ride, you bike two hours a day. Like, that's pretty cool. Like that. I don't have enough time to do that. The fact that you're both able to make it work. Um, I think it's really instructive for a lot of people. Again, everybody's circumstances are different. So it's not like everyone be like, I'm going to do the Sarah and Brian Bishop plan and it's going to work great. But, uh, the fact that you're able to make it work though, I think it's, it's really interesting because shoot, you know, I know I've, I've struggled with this before. For me, it was always, you know, just going to bed at, at a time that allows it to kind of allows it to go down because for me and i don't know how, you, how you've experienced this and obviously there are trade-offs in life but like nighttime is when i'm finally like all right i can be an adult without mm-hmm. kids around mm-hmm. type feel like so i you like stay even up, if i'm tired right? exactly yeah, even if i'm tired i'm like i like fight it i'm like i'm gonna stay mm-hmm. up um and then again i the next day i'm always kicking myself i'm not like oh but that was a great decision but i i constantly make it uh because it's just that it's just so enticing that moment to be like no gosh darn it i'm gonna watch the shows that i want to watch now or yeah, whatever it's tough i mean we have to rely more on um you know routine and discipline i think more than like finding time and motivation like i you know it's just like it's not if we're gonna do it you know, the next day it's when, you know, and, and there's definitely times where Brian's like already riding his bike and I was going to go ride my bike. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> you know, it's like, where are you? You know, like you were, but you're not supposed to go yet. So there's definitely like miscommunications. And also like, I also like texting him like at hour two on his bike, like, where are you? It's my turn. It's my turn. It's my turn. <laughs> so there's definitely some of that. And, um, you know, but we just, we make it work and we get it done. And it is easier that we are both working from home. So there is some down, there is that downtime where we can just trade off and stuff. And I'm usually on my bike on the trainer, like texting my athletes. That's kind of when I text my athletes back, like with my hour and a half hour on the trainer, I'm like texting all my athletes, you know, or I work like, um, early in the morning, like when I'm drinking my coffee and stuff or, or even late, later at night, like you said, like that's my like adult time, quiet time. Cause I cannot concentrate. Brian's really good. He'll shut the door of his office and he will just, you know, work his eight hour day and come out when he, you know, does his bike ride. But I feel like it's definitely my responsibility to like wrangle the kids during the day and stuff. Cause my work is so much more flexible. Um, and so like, yeah, I'm like not, cannot concentrate on anything you know, unless I'm like on the bike or like late at night when they're in bed and somebody's not asking me for something, you know? So, but yeah, um, it's, it's not easy, but I think we've done it for so long now. We've just kind of got it down. It's just part of the routine. So now that you've spent at this point, like six months, like really going all in on triathlon training, how has your physiology changed? 
I mean, I feel super strong as an athlete um, in general. So, you know, um, I do not weigh myself. I don't really, I mean, I, I try to eat healthy. I try to eat a lot of protein because I feel like, um, I need the, I need protein for muscle recovery and things like that. But I probably, I eat a pretty balanced diet, protein and carbs. But, um, I just feel like, I feel like I'm super strong as an athlete in general. Um, you know, on the bike, um, feeling stronger on the swim and even my running. So just really well rounded. So it's, it's fun to feel strong and fit, um, and see those, you know, see the training, um, you know, uh, see the training and, you know, working, I think. Um, so, and that's also what's keeping me motivated in a time where there's, you know, not any Ironman races or pro races, I'm still seeing the gains, you know, in training and in these smaller races that I'm doing. And, um, it's, that's exciting on its own, you know, and that's enough for me right now. And how have you been able to, you know, work it out from a pool perspective? I know early in, early in the year, um, even like D1 swimmers were having a hard time, like finding a pool in the spring. Like I, I saw these stories of like Brooke Forty and then some of these other folks who like are, you know, like top swimmers at Stamford in Georgia. Like they couldn't find a pool to swim in um, to say nothing of, you know, people like I don't say people like us, like you're on a completely different level than me. But people like, you know, who are just living an ordinary life and trying to figure it out as opposed to like someone who like potentially has access to like a college or university pool. Yeah. So my our neighborhood pool opened, which was fantastic. And they have one lap lane. So when I take the kids to the pool, I'll swim in that lap lane for 30 minutes and I'll, um, you know, kind of pop, pop my head up and watch them. But a lot of times I'll just swim during the 15 minute swim break. So I kind of have to break it up, but that's when I swim. And they also have adult only hours. So I'll go swim at the adult only hours, um, as well, if it kind of fits my schedule. So, uh, that's been really lucky. Oh, but I have to tell you a funny story, Matt. <laughs> so, so, you know, I go there a lot with the kids and I swim and there was one day they called, they called my husband, they called Brian, uh, cause he's the one that's a registered member of the pool. Like where he registered the family and they said, Mr. Bishop, we were wondering, you know, it's been raining all day and, you know, we have the two guards here at the pool and nobody's here, but we were wondering if Sarah is going to come swim today. And if she's not, we're just going to close. <laughs> <laughs> it's like raining all day and they know I go there and swim all the time and they're calling my husband to see if they should close they can close the pool or not and when I'm gonna come swim <laughs> so I just thought that was so funny um but no I did not go swim that day I was like it's raining it's fine you guys can close the pool <laughs> I'll just come tomorrow um but um, that's when I swim but when that but that pool is gonna close um over Labor Day weekend. And then I have one other option and I used this option in, um, last year. Uh, it's an indoor pool at a rec center and I can get a 40 minute time slot, um, to go swim there three times a week. And you know what? That's probably fine. Fine. That's enough for me. And so I will go do that because I was using the base pool, which is really convenient. And I like the base pool because the water tends to be a little bit cooler. Um, because the pool, this other pool that I have to, I'm going to have to swim at in September is like really warm but it's fine. 
it's my only option. But the base pool is closed and I can't swim there anymore. But so I'll go to this rec center pool and swim three times a week um, for 40 minutes. And I could even do a double swim day if I really was motivated. So, um, so yeah, but for now, the outdoor pool has been great. It's really nice to swim in the outdoor pool. I found out it's so much nicer. It's less stuffy than like, you know, an indoor swimming pool. It just keeps me a little more um, motivated. I can swim longer um, just because it's nice nice outside. So, um, it just feels better. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's been convenient for me. Yeah. And while you mentioned that a lot of the races have been canceled, you've kind of gotten back into, got back into it over the past month or so. It seems like some local stuff has been popping off. Yeah. So that's been fun. So, um, you know, Indiana is having a lot of races, uh, and not, you know, Ohio isn't, but Indiana is. And so, um, the first one I did was this Poseidon, swim challenge like a 2k swim in the downtown indy canal and that was really fun and i didn't do really i didn't do quite as well as i wanted to but it was just fun to like do something different get out there work on my open water swimming um and uh you know kind of just race again so then after that i did do a half iron um in uh illinois and then the very next day i did a olympic try um in indy too so <laughs> really that was a fun weekend because um i had signed up for the uh half iron in illinois after i found out that muncie 70.3 was canceled and i had heard about this other 70.3 that was off brand um you know five hours from me and i thought you know i'm just gonna do it like it'll be fun um and just something to do you know and uh i just want to race and so i went out there and did that and i had a really good swim it was like my best um open water swim without a wetsuit. So that was great. And my bike was okay for the day. The roads were rough. Um, so it wasn't as fast as I hoped, but it was a okay bike. And then the run, <laughs> the run was really bad. Unfortunately, it was 95 degrees, the real feel of a hundred. And I was like completely dehydrated. And, um, I ended up going the wrong way on the run too. Cause I started going back up the hill instead of on the second loop. So there's all these issues, but I still, fin- you know, I still, um, yeah, I finished the race, but I was a little bit bummed with myself because I felt like I gave up on the run. And um, I'm always fine with my race as long as I give it my best effort, no matter what happens. And I've realized that, you know, and I didn't feel like I gave it my best effort on the run at all because I was like, I'm winning by 35 minutes. The two guys in front of me are way in front of me. So who cares? And in the moment, it was like big deal, you know. Uh, But of course, after the race, when you don't give your best effort, it never feels that good. But so I was, but, but in the same breath, I was completely annihilated and I had missed that feeling of being completely annihilated after a race. You just don't feel that way after like any workout, you know, and, uh, it had been a long time since I had done a four and a half hour race. So, um, so it was like mixed feelings, but my, my reaction to that is usually I need to redeem myself. And luckily I was going to be doing another race less than 24 hours later to redeem myself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I like leave that race at two o'clock. Okay. Like it was like after, yeah, after the race, like noon when you're done and then, you know, you get my bike and get my award. I leave at two. I drive three hours to Indy, you know, and with, there's a time change. I forgot. So like, then I lose an hour and then I have a couple stops in the road. I have to eat something. So I get to Indy, close to seven. I go and stop at Chipotle. I'm still in my tri suit, you know, I get my food 
And by the time I check into the hotel, it's eight o'clock and I'm like so dead. I'm still wearing my tri suit and I'm thinking, you know, my, my whole reasoning to do this race the next day was like, okay, I can definitely do the swim and I can definitely do the bike because I can, you know, I can, I'm not going to drown in the, in the canal. It's a swim and the bike, I can go as slow as I need to, you know, whatever happens, the bike's going to carry me. It's, you know, I'm going to get through it. So the real issue was going to be the run. Like how was it going to, you know, how, the unknown was how fast I could run after a half iron, you know? And I thought, well, I'm going to do a six mile run anyway, you know, the day after the race. So I just might as well do this Olympic triathlon because it'll be fun. So, so like I get up in the morning and I meet my sister, my sister, I convinced my sister to come do this race with me because she's in Louisville just a couple hours away. And so I meet her in the morning downstairs and we go to check our bikes in. And I didn't really know anything about this race, Matt. I just knew it was a triathlon in Indy. And I didn't know about it last year or I would have done it, you know, but anyway, and I start looking around, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like a big race. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like competitive. Like there was like an elite bike rack and stuff. And like, there's like 600 people in this race. Like, I'm like, holy, like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? And, um, but anyway, so it actually went really well. I had a great swim, like life-changing swim where I like kept up with everybody. And, um, so I was still like, I you know, this is all hindsight looking back. Cause I had no idea at the time, but I was like eighth out of the water. But, um, I was like within a minute of like the leaders, um, and not like four or five minutes behind, which in an Olympic, it's a big deal to be within a minute of the leaders, you know? And so like eighth out of the water and I felt great on the bike for whatever reason. I really wanted to have a good bike because the roads, um, in Illinois were super rough and gravelly, but these were much better. And so I had a really good bike. And so then I like moved up to like fourth on the bike and then I was able to run 629 pace on the run, which was fine. That was good. Like I was thinking maybe 620s for the day after the half iron, but 629s is fine. And I ended up getting, um, I ended up moving up to, <laughs> to second place, but it was a really fun race. And I'm really glad that, um, I didn't chicken out and, uh, I decided, I decided to do that on my way home. <laughs> Yeah, just fun. a little, just a little professional pickup yes. race. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, that is awesome! Did you get? Do you get a paid? Was it a payday? You a little paycheck for that one? I no, you know what? I got a, I got a gift certificate. So yeah, it was a pretty big race. So I'm kind of surprised. Oh, what was it? What was the gift certificate too? This would be great. It was. So, so, well, I don't even think I'm going to use it because it's like, it was like multiple restaurants or, and, um, uh, shops or, um, like running stores in Indy. It's a 50 bucks. And so I'm like, oh man, well, I have to go back to Indy to use this. I mean, maybe I, I'm, oh, I am going to go do a race there next weekend. <laughs> so maybe I will use it. Oh gosh. But, um, yeah, that was fun. And then I did the Indiana State Time Trial Championship. So that was different. That was really cool. And that was, um, you know, there wasn't very many uh, female riders, but the other two that were there were really, really good. And I knew that they were really, really good because uh, I had raced, you know, I'd raced Danny. Yeah, you know, she's the one that beat me at the Indy Try. And, be- and Danny beat me at the uh, uh, Muncie 70.3 last year. Like, she's like super good. And so she was going to be there. And then there was this other gal, Alyssa, who is also um, an elite runner turned triathlete. Like a 232 marathon or turned triathlete a few years ago. And she was going to be there at the Indy State Child Championship. So that was fun to race them. And no, I didn't beat either of them. <laughs> it was within like 30 seconds of them. So it was, uh, that was a, a fun time trial, a time trial race too. Um, so 
so yeah, so it's been good. It's been good. I've been like finding these low races that have kept me motivated and training and just kind of trying to, you know, like anybody else, just find things that interest me, but at the same time, still work towards my goals of, you know, com- do, you know, being ready and completing, you know, uh, a full Ironman. So, um, so, so yeah, so that's, it's been, it's been fun. And in addition to that, <laughs> yes, I don't know. Where, I don't know whether to talk about the injury now. I'll probably save that for later because because you are you talked about these races. It seems like you really jam packed them all in. You finally had a chance to race, so you're like, I'm gonna. It's like someone who's hungry goes to the grocery store and they're like, yeah. I'll have everything in the car. <laughs> it's like you know you kind of did that like the racing version of that move. Um, but you're a serial racer. You've always been that way. Every, every time you're on the podcast, it's like you give us a race report and like you forget races that you've done. You've done so many. <laughs> so what has it been like for you doing all of this training, this completely elevated amount of training without having this outlet that you've always relied upon? Well, I mean, now, I mean, before. So, so you know, it was uh, March, April, May, right? March, April, May, I didn't race at all. And that was really hard. But at the same time... I was full into like trying to gear, you know, do these longer bike rides and longer runs and get myself prepared and in a state where I could do an Ironman because I had never done a ride over like 50 miles, you know, before, um, before March. And so I knew I needed to get myself in a place where I was riding, doing, you know, two, you know, three to four hour rides, you know, at least regularly to try to do an Ironman. And so that was really fun to work up to that distance and be able to complete a few 112 mile rides at like race pace and know I can do that. Then I had to work on the run after that because the first times I did first time I did those really long century hard century rides I could not run afterwards at all my legs were just not used to my it was like my um my um glutes and my um high hamstrings and my tendons like everything was not used to pushing five hours on a bike at that kind of pace, you know? And so, but the, but every time I did it, I did it like once a month, once a month, I'd do a really, really long ride followed by a longer run. And every time I did it, I got a little bit better at the run. And so, um, the last time I did it, I felt like, wow, okay, finally, you know, I think I could run a decent marathon off the bike. And I would definitely did not feel like that at all, you know, just a few months ago. So that kept me motivated for those few months I wasn't racing. Now I found all these races (laughs) in Indiana and I'm just doing them because it's fun. And one thing about racing too, and I was thinking about this the other day, is it's a skill. It's a skill just like anything else. And I always encourage my athletes to race every six to eight weeks. And of course, right now, it's very difficult to do that and we can't all do that. Okay. But if you can, my athletes who race regularly do make more progress faster because you're practicing exactly what you're trying to perfect, which is racing. And it's a it's pushing yourself uh, to a point where um, you can't get in practice. And also the mental aspect of staying in the game, right. And, um, and uh, being mentally, 
uh, strong and focused enough to give it your best effort. And the one thing about the Route 66 was really an eye opener for me. It wasn't that great of a race, you know, for me in general. Well, the run just wasn't that great, you know. But and of course the conditions were like horrific. So there's that. But I recognize, like when I kind of like gave up mentally in that run, I thought. This was the reason, Sarah, that I was doing this race is because it's going to be like this in Ironman where it's going to be, it could be 95 degrees. You still have 15 miles to go. You know, everybody's hurting. What are you going to do? How are you going to react? You know, nine to 10 hours in an Ironman is a really long day. There's definitely going to be times out there where things are not going your way. And I read this one, I read this actually today and it really resonated me with when you practice long and hard efforts it becomes less emotional and more intellectual. And that really resonated with me because that's really what I found out last year when I did all these half iron races is that I started to realize things are not going to go my way during a long race all the time. And I need to take the emotion out of it and just switch gears in my head and problem solve, you know, like, okay, I had a five, I had to swim that was five minutes slower than I wanted. It's okay. I'm just going to get on the bike and I'm going to push and I'm going to catch on the bike and I, I, you know, I can stay in the game and then I'll coast on the run, you know, or man, my legs aren't working on the bike today, but that's okay. My heart rate's really low. And this means that my run's going to be better. So if you just take, if the better, the more you can race, you know, and I'm not saying you should race every, every month or whatnot, but it is a learned skill. And, um, it, it, the more you can do it, it does, you can and take the emotion out of when, you know, things don't go your way in a race, um, and realize you can use your mind and your body to work through it and push, you know, and push through, uh, the better you're going to get, you know, the better results you're going to get, the better athlete you're going to be, the better, um, racer you're going to be. So, um, so anyway, so I kind of went off on a tangent, but I've been racing <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it's been fun because I've been realizing that. Um, and I definitely realized that during the half iron and, you know, and that was the big thing with doing the Olympic the next day is I said, I'm not going to give up no matter what happens or how bad I feel. I do not want to give up. That was like my big thing. Cause I was kind of mad at myself that I gave up during the run. Cause I was like, man, I forgot how hard this is, <laughs> you know? And of course it didn't really matter that, uh, uh, in the moment, but after the race, you're like, I really ha- had more in me. But, um, you know, so in the, in the Olympic distance, I did not give up and, uh, was really happy with my effort there. So you always kind of learn something when you race. Um, and right now there's no reason for me not to, because I don't really have <laughs> any Ironman on the calendar that I think is going to happen this year. So I'm just going to continue to find, um, races, you know, small races or anything that just keeps me interested and motivated to continue to train, you know? So as a coach, when you're working with athletes who are, have a sense of aimlessness because either their races were canceled or, you know, they were, had this, you know, high hopes for 2020 or just, they need races just like you do. And, you know, with those cancellations comes this idea of like, okay, well, you know, that like that existential dread as an athlete, right? Like, what is this all for? What does this all mean? Um, what are you doing for those athletes in your group that are struggling with that feeling? Yeah. So I actually just wrote them all a note about this uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And because a lot of them, you know, are saying just kind of having a lack of motivation. And I like, I completely understand where you're at, you know, and at this point, we're going to have to rely more on routine and discipline, you know, to get out the door than motivation. But I said, but if you, if you get out the door and you don't want to do the workout, that's okay. 
You know, like there's going to be days where you want to do the workout and days where you don't, you know, if you don't want to do the workout, just run easy. You know, we, we don't, we can cut the mileage, you know, um, to 70%. We don't have, we can do a, um, an easy long run every other weekend, um, you know, or we could simply have mileage goals. You know, you want to hit X miles, um, you know, weekly miles in a week just to do it. Like, we have to give ourselves some grace, you know? Um, so we don't have to feel like we need to grind every single day and do these ridiculous workouts when we don't feel like there's uh, any meaning to it or like an, you know, a, a race in four months that we're training towards. But if, if we do use running for our sanity, for our health, mental health, physical health, it's all part of our routine. None of my athletes want to quit, you know? So I'm like, it's okay to have a middle ground. It really is. And that's what I told them, you know? So if you don't have anything on the calendar or you're not interested in virtual races, because I have to tell you right now, I'm not all that interested in virtual races anyway, if it, unless it's shorter than a 5K, you know? Um, so I'm like, that is totally okay, you know? So just don't feel like you have to hit every single workout on the schedule, every mile, or that we have to do, you know, a 100% intense training right now. There can be a middle ground. Um, and just getting out the door sh- will, should be enough for you right now, you know? And I think that just made them feel a whole lot better. Like, okay, you're right. Like, I don't have to just grind, 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 but it doesn't have to be all or nothing. So that's kind of where we're at with a lot of my athletes. And some of them are training at 100%. Some of them are training at 70%. Some of them, a lot of them put the the Boston Virtual Marathon on the calendar just to complete it because that gives them a goal to train for, uh, train towards. Some of them have mileage goals. Some of them are like, you know what? I really liked that five, that one, that one mile training. I just want to stick with 5K right now. And I want to try to break 20 in the 5K. I want to try to break 18 in the 5K. And so that's what we're doing. So it just kind of like we need to just figure out what each individual needs um, right now to to keep them motivated and and keep them going. Although we know like not every day we can rely on motivation to get out the door, but as long as we get out the door and are doing something, we're moving forward. Yeah, that's really well said. And, you know, I think, especially for athletes who are really driven, this can be a tough thing. So some of those athletes who are a little bit more laissez-faire, this is kind of like, oh, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of this kind of feeds into my over my my general view on life type feel kind of just roll with the punches. Uh, some of my type A more type A athletes, um, I think they're most people are kind of fine with it now because you've kind of had this time to deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. and nothing that happens now from a race perspective is brand new. Now it's not now it's like surprising when there is a race. So you're like, oh, look at this. All right. Um, as opposed to it being surprising when it when it gets canceled. Right. One thing that happened to you early in this year we haven't brought it up i just was wondering if you're going to bring it up because it was this pretty crazy thing and it was basically you know almost like x-men the bishops because you recovered (laughs) from something like you were like wolverine with metal in your bones i swear to god i've never seen someone go from like yo i almost died to like yeah back on the bike Let's go hit it hard. Oh um, if people don't know what I'm talking about, br- break this down for them because I'm still mm-hmm. – I have people sending me text messages like, hey, can you please interview Sarah Bishop to find out what in the world just happened? <laughs> yeah, okay. So um, I just – I decided that I wanted a gravel bike because – 
Brian had just gotten a gravel bike and was going to get into the gravel racing this year. And so, you know, this is kind of before we knew all the races were being canceled anyway. But anyway, so that was going to be my new toy. So I got this great gravel bike. And, you know, the Ironmans had been canceled. So it was like perfect opportunity for Brian to take me on my first gravel ride and, um, and, and kind of show me the ropes and try this out. So we go to the state park about an hour, hour and a half away that he had been to before. And it is, has significant elevation gain, um, over in this gravel, in this gravel state park that, you, that people do a lot of riding at. But, um, so anyway, I go out there with him and we start riding and I'm doing well. I mean, the courses are really hard and I will say I had no business being out there in this state park with all of these hills when I, during my first gravel ride. Okay, I'll just say that. But I was there and I was doing it and it was going fine. Literally, we are at mile 50 of the ride and we're done. We are going down the last hill to go to the car. And I remember in my head thinking, oh, this was a successful day. My head. I remember thinking this. This is such a successful day. I feel so good about myself. I just did this gravel ride. And I'm going down the last hill. I'm uh, and I had been, you know, I'd been uh, getting more aggressive on the downhills and stuff as I was getting more comfortable with the bike and um, the style of riding. And I, but I was going a little too fast. And I pumped my brake, but um, I did pump the back brake. I originally thought I'd pump the front brake, and that's why I flipped over the handlebars. But no, I did catch the back. I did, I did squeeze the back brake, but I must've hit a rock. I just hit something wrong. Uh, my bike just, I just, as soon as I squeezed the brake, my bike just seized up. I'm going, you know, I'm going, you know, 20 miles an hour. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, if you skipped through the intro and you're wondering why we all of a sudden stopped in the middle of a Sarah Bishop story, rewind, go back to the intro. I'll tell you exactly why. I'll also tell you the ending. Uh, it's just kind of how it goes sometimes with the with the recordings. Just a little bit of bad luck here uh, with this one, but overall, so worth it. Every time we get Sarah on the show, it's absolutely worth it. Big shout out to our sponsor, Prevenex. They sponsor every episode of this podcast, and I cannot thank them enough. Go check them out. They have great stuff. I use their vegan protein powder either either as like a mid-morning snack or right after I finish a run. I love that stuff. Their Joint Health Plus is an absolute go-to for me, as are the multivitamins. And they have kids' vitamins, too. I know my good friend, uh, Lindsay Hine, who uh, you know, has her own podcast. You may have heard of it. I'll have another with Lindsay Hine. She gives those little vitamins to her kids all the time, and they absolutely love them. So go give, go give them a shot. Also use code RUNNER15 at checkout to save 15% on your order. Thank you so much for listening, and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.